All right. Welcome to the New American Dream podcast. Today we have a special guest. She's in the same state as me in in one of the major markets too. I don't know if she know, but this market she in is is booming right now. So we're gonna get her information and her story. Welcome to the show, El Nice. Thank you. Thank you for having me, George. Yes. So all right, let the people know who you are and a little bit about what you do. Sure. So my name is Elani. I'm originally from Miami. Um, my husband and I moved to Brooklyn, New York four years ago, and we started investing in rental properties in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so we bought four properties sight unseen, and then we decided we wanted to invest in real estate full time and make this a real business. So we moved to Jacksonville uh, two and a half months ago now. So oh. it's been hitting the ground running ever since we, we got here. Wow. So you came down to Compared to New York, the prices, the houses here, are, you can buy them sight unseen because it's so cheap. Is that it? Right, exactly. <laughs> Originally, we were wanting to buy in New York, and then we were like, there's no way. We would have to save up for like years just to save up for the down payment, and then we wouldn't even get a place big enough to grow into. So we're like, okay, let's invest uh, back in Florida, which is what we were familiar with. Okay. All right. So uh, let's start from the beginning. Like, where did you grow up at? And where did you grow up at? In Miami, so in an area called Hialeah. Okay. And far as growing up, were you like, would you say like middle class, rich, poor with your family? Um, I would say, I mean, my parents migrated from Cuba. Um, so they, my mom worked like two jobs while I was growing up. Then when she remarried, um, they started a small business. So they had like a small like uh, sewing and clothing store. And then after a discount, kind of like, like groceries and things like that so they always had like their own business and like hustle to make sure that we had food on the table and everything we needed uh, so it's not like we had like a lot of money but we never felt like we were missing anything right so all right that's already one thing like most people entrepreneurs like your family had a business so even if you paid attention or not you seem somewhat what a business was ran like yes right Definitely. so so nope, they didn't have a nine to five at all. My mom did as when I was a little kid, but I don't remember that. I always remember her and my dad, um, like in the small business, and I was always there with them while they were in their business. In okay. Their yeah. Okay. All right. So all right, you grow up. What's next? Like, what type of um in high school were you like a A student, B student? Yeah, A's and B's. Yeah. Okay. So you graduate high school and what's next? College? Um, yeah. So I worked um, for a small printing company while I was in high school and I worked there for seven years. It was a small, like local business. Um, I went to college at Florida International University. So I stayed local. Um, I did my degree in marketing, my bachelor's in marketing, and then I went to work for Royal Caribbean for a few years. Um, you know, I met my husband when I was 18, so we were dating the whole time. We got married, and then he wanted to uh, finish his bachelor's degree in mathematics, and I wanted to do a master's. So we moved to Gainesville in 2014. Uh, so I did my master's in entrepreneurship, and he did his bachelor's in, in mathematics. Right. Um, then I worked for Closet Made in Marketing for another year, and then we moved to New York where he did finance um, for like asset management firms. And then I did market digital marketing um, for a, a Spanish newspaper. 
So I did that for four years. And then now uh, we were planning on moving to Jacksonville. So I got a job working for, for a marketing agency in Jacksonville. And that's what I'm doing now full time um, while also investing in real estate and trying to grow the business. And then my husband is full time in real estate. So we, since Jacksonville is a lot uh, like more cost effective or cost of living is a lot lower, we can live off of one income while one of us focuses on growing the business. And then uh, obviously both of us helping each other. And then eventually, you know, hopefully it'll grow enough where we can both do it full time. Right. Does it feel weird that like, you know, cause me, I got a degree in accounting too. You went and got your master's and it's like, I'm just trying to get enough real estate so I can not. Right. Like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy to me. Yeah. And I mean, the master's was uh, like an entrepreneurship. So it was very like writing business plans and like testing out ideas. So it was like a fun degree to do. It wasn't like, Initially, I was thinking doing an MBA, and then I started like reading about it, and it was like a very intense two-year course, and you have to do a really good on the GMAT, and you have to do like all these finance and all these like crazy courses that are really hard to do. So I wanted something more like that I would enjoy and learn and have an experience with, and that that program was really good for that. It was a one-year program too, so it was you know it flew by. Flew by, yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and we were just talking about that, me and my wife today. Um, a lot of people, like I remember when I was in school, everybody was getting business administration degree. Yeah. And it was like, I was I was actually getting mine too. And then I'm like, it seemed like, I don't know what type of job I'm going to go get with that. Everybody have it. So that's right. when I switched to accounting, at least right. try to be more specific. Still never used my degree, but. Um, <laughs> nah, it's. A lot uh, of people don't, you know, I, I'm probably, you know, one of the few that, that actually used it, but. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what you said. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want like that crazy MBA course. And then, you know, when in the future I wanted to run my own business, I thought that degree would, you know, be something more fun. And then also having a master's would help me at least in the meantime, get a better job and make more money, and, um, you know, get me to where I wanted to be. Right. So, all right. Who, who read Rich Dad Poor Dad first to make y'all want to start investing in real estate? Like what was like, what happened to make you guys say, Let's go get real estate. Um, so it was kind of weird. Like we were walking our dog um, in, in New York, in Brooklyn. And we were, we had talked about like saving enough money to buy a place there. And I mean, places there are like 800,000 for a one bedroom and you don't even have like wind amenities or anything like that. You just have like a tiny one bedroom without views or anything like that. Um, so we were kind of walking our dog and we both kind of started talking about it because in Gainesville, we lived in a townhouse and the landlord was out of state. So he moved to, he had bought the townhouse for when his son went to UF. Right. Um, and then he had it for many years and then he moved to Texas and he was managing it from Texas. So we kind of, we never met him in person. We barely spoke to him because we always paid our rent on time and you know, he, nothing ever broke. Um, so wow. we kind of thought of that idea, like that, you know, he did it and it seemed pretty easy and he used a company to list the property. And then after that, he took over and managed it. So we kind of said, what if we do what, what he did? And then we started off looking into Gainesville. Right. Um, but then a, a family friend was an agent in Jacksonville. And then we had read a lot of things about how Jacksonville was growing and companies were moving here. And 
um, people were moving here and a lot of jobs were growing. So we came down, we, we usually came down once a year to go to a football game at UF. Right. So we toured around a little bit of Jacksonville with the family friend. And then we went to Gainesville and toured around there with another agent. And then ultimately we ended up deciding in, in Jacksonville and that's, that's, that's how we got started. So you're like, were you um, still living in New York and you was going to purchase long distance? Right, right. So we purchased all four. So the first three we purchased within one year and um, they were all sight unseen. So we've actually never stepped foot in any of our houses to this day. My husband stepped foot in one of them. Um, a month ago, the AC was having issues and he's like, hey, let me take this opportunity to go see the house. So he stepped into our fourth house um we've driven by the other two and the third one we've never driven by so <laughs> we're like one of these weekends we'll have to drive by the houses oh At my god <laughs> that would drive me crazy if i could never <laughs> walk in i don't actually like walking to my properties once the tenant move in because i know how it looked when I, they moved in and i'll be disappointed right. you know but that's right. crazy that you've never been in a property you purchased yeah yep. I never so, <laughs> so that means you guys must have like a really good system in place. Yeah, so we had um, we started off with that family friend investing in the first three properties. So, you know, we trusted her a lot. She sent us pictures and videos and then we had the inspection report and uh, we had crazy things happen along the way. Like the first three we bought with with inherited tenants. And so the very first house we had an eviction like five months in because the tenant like stopped paying she disappeared so we had like crazy stuff happen right off the bat um but then we still were like okay we know that this is going to happen so let's this is part of the business so let's keep investing um and then after we bought the third one that family friend agent switched to selling new construction so right. she couldn't sell residential anymore so we had to find a new agent and then we got really lucky with that too. And he's helped us out a lot. And we bought our primary site unseen also. <laughs> we, we saw it for the first time when we drove down here with our, with our stuff. Um, so what? The house. <laughs> all right. Cause Jacksonville, all right. I, um, the person that I invest in real estate with, he live in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. So one thing, like he always sending me properties from Jacksonville, but Jacksonville is huge. It's and huge. it's, is certain parts I know you don't want to invest in, I'm pretty sure. Right. But I, I'm not from there. I'm like three hours away. So I don't know. Like it'd be like houses for like forty, fifty thousand dollars, you know? Right. I'm like, man, this is cash flow like crazy. Right. But it's right. like I don't know if it's the west side. I don't know. But it's certain sides he said you might just want to be like careful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We spent a lot of time like researching and learning the areas and looking at like neighborhoods and reviews and different things like that. And then also relying on our agent. And uh, we had a contractor and like different people's feedbacks. And then my, my sister grew up here as well. Um, so she would tell us different things. So we had like a lot of information from different people. Um, so we kind of knew which areas to, to stay yeah. out of. And, and we do have a property. Um, so a lot of people like on like 32209, 32208 area uh, zip codes, but we do have a property in one of those zip codes and it's like the tenant's great, it cash flows, it does really good. Um, but you know, we like to diversify our portfolio too and not just get everything in that one area. Like 
we kind of have it in, in different parts of town. Right. So what do you, do? You, would you buy another rental property with inherited tenants? Would you do that again still? Yeah, I bought three. So yeah, I would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I just. I, you have to I, go into it knowing that you might have. Two out of three ended up in evictions. So, you know, the third, the third ones had tenants in there for the same people in there for 12 years. So they're like, they're, they've been there. They're staying there until the day that we asked them to move out. So um, yeah. when you purchase these properties, so you are, you don't really have to fix them up or anything. You basically, they are ready to go. So the, the, so the first one, we, we knew the condition that they were in as we're like, okay, the day that she does move out, we need to rehab it. Right. Um, so when she did abandon the property, we put about 8,000 into it. Um, it was like, we just cleaned it up and we did the floors, painted it, stuff like that. Um, and then she was paying like, I think she was paying 1050 in rent and then we right. increased it to 1200. So it's a three bedroom, two bathroom. And then a year later, the tenants, they were college kids, they moved out and then now their rent is 1250. So I went from 1050 to 1250 with that 8,000 renovation. Renovation. Then that property, um, we got it under market value, and since we fixed it up, like brought made it nicer. Um, right. it, we got a HELOC on that one, and we have 24,000 in a HELOC there. So then we. All right, um, all right. In, in between all of this, we bought the second property. Okay. Which, which also had the, an inherited tenant. And when she moved out, we had to put about 10,000 into it. Um, right. And then the third one we bought with the idea of either doing like a burr or a flip down the road because it's, it's com needs a complete renovation and it has um, about like 75,000 of, of room between what we bought it at and, and the ARV. So down the road, maybe like two or three years or so, depending how the market is, we'll, ask the tenants to move out and then we'll rehab it and either cash out refi or sell it we'll probably keep it so. yeah the hardest part i think about that is asking the tenant to move out because normally <laughs> like yeah because like my dad he had tenants that been in his property like 12 13 years and he hasn't raised the rent so i'm like they're not if you live they move out it's gonna be hard to find something of it that is. condition for that amount of rent that you're allowing them to stay in. Right, and they actually never had the rent raised for, until we bought the property. We raised it like a little bit, not not much, but um, they haven't had their rent raised in like 11 years. And they ha they live in a four bedroom, two bathroom, which in that area, they're paying 1100 and in that area you could get like 15. See. So they'll have a hard time for sure. Like It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, like here in Florida, they have um, the, you know, like pre-foreclosure. I haven't purchased one yet, but it's kind of like you purchase it. You can't go into property. You can drive by and you purchase it from the courthouse. Um, what I going to say, what did you learn mostly, like after purchasing them properties, like without going in, what did you learn the most from that, like that you do moving forward? Um, I'm, if, whether it has a tenant or not, I, make sure I have a good inspection done. I do like all my due diligence on like looking through the inspection, make sure I get pictures and videos. Um, if there is any issues that come up on the inspection report, we send vendors. Um, crazy thunderstorm happening right here. 
here. <laughs> oh, that's a thunderstorm. I thought the mic was doing that. <laughs> no, no, it's a thunderstorm. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so if there if there are possibly issues like with the foundation or anything that comes up on the inspection report, we send multiple vendors out there to give us estimates during the inspection contingency, and then we backed out of several of them that had like foundation issues or things that we didn't see in the in the pictures or videos or that came up during the inspection report. So it's definitely like even if it's a minor thing, like oh the the floors are slightly sloping in one room, like check it out because you never know what that can turn into. Nah, that's major. I, I purchased a house up in North Carolina and the floor was sloping in the middle and it was on um, foundation issue. So we had to go under the house and get the whole floor lifted up. Lift it, yeah. Yeah, it was not it was a pain but like that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. When you're looking for, all right. So, um, you're looking for your rentals. What's some of the key things you look for to make it a good deal? Um. So we look for, first of all, cash. We just look for cash flow. So usually we try to stay like around a hundred thousand purchase price in Jacksonville. That's where like the sweet spot is for for cash flow or below. Like if you're getting into a lower income area, you can cash flow a lot. Um, we try to stay like over 12% cash on cash return and trying to get like 400 plus in, in cash flow. And then we put everything into account. Like if we estimate like rents going out five years and, and like more like to see if rents will increase or not, we do like worst case scenario, what if rents decrease a certain amount? Um, so we look at like past rental history and sales comps, we look at all of that stuff um and then we also estimate out like if i think the first property we bought has like a very old roof very old hvac old plumbing so we kind of estimate that out like we're gonna have to replace the roof any time now <laughs> um probably right. next year it, it's really old like 20 years old um so we estimate all that out and make sure that we still stay um in that 12 percent cash on cash or like like have good roi um, and that we save enough money to do those, those big, like a big ticket items down the road. Right. Sound like you guys got your own, like, I hate, like right now, you know, Instagram and social media, everybody famous and everybody successful. And it's like, ah, right. But, right. um, it seemed like y'all got your own system. Like you said, at least cash flow $400. And what you mean by that, people are like at the, um, what, uh, insurance taxes and, uh, what yeah. is it? The mortgage. Mortgage, yeah. And then we we estimate other things too, like vacancy rate. Um, like if, if the property is vacant for at least one month out of the year, um, we estimate, like we set some money aside for maintenance and for CapEx, stuff like that. So on paper, when we're doing the initial analysis, it'll look like we're going to cash flow less. But then in reality, if, if everything goes well, like a lot of things don't break and our property stays um with the if our tenant renews then we don't have that vacancy loss so that first property they just renewed in march so right. we didn't have to ha we didn't have to clean the property spend money like turning the unit right. around or um having that that unit empty for at least a month and then the second property they just renewed the lease this past month as well um the third one's been you know the people have been there forever yeah. And then the fourth one, we're asking them if they're renewing at the end of this month. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they'll most likely, my husband met them, so they'll most likely renew as well. So this year we've 
had all four all four of the properties haven't had any turnover. So that's really good. We don't have to, you know, that vacancy rate goes into our pocket pretty much. Right. So how do you handle um, your maintenance issue? That's the worst part of real estate for me. Like I know everybody probably got parts they love, but I hate when my phone ring talking about the toilet won't flush, the shower <laughs> fell apart. Like every time I see it, like the number, I'll be like, ah, I wonder like, what's wrong my tenant. I hate that part for some reason. But um, yep. how do you guys deal with maintenance issues? Yeah, great question. So we we managed all, I managed the properties from New York. So I managed them from out of state. And then I started managing for other people as well. So I became licensed last summer. And then I, I networked a lot on different forums and started meeting a lot of people that wanted to invest in Jacksonville. So I started helping them find properties and then they always needed a property manager. So I started kind of building that part of the business. Right. Um, so when we moved down here, it ramped up pretty fast because, you know, people saw us like taking us serious. Like we had planned it all along and then we actually followed through and moved down here. Um, so we manage 22 units now, including our own four. And yeah, maintenance issues. We send like uh, a welcome letter every time somebody moves in. And if it's a non-emergency, we ask them to email us. And if it's an emergency, they can call. And we have a Google voice number. So it, they don't ever have my personal line. And then down the road, if we hire, you know, the idea would be to hire someone to run the property management side, and then they can take over that Google voice number. Um, so we have different handymen and, and vendors that we use for different issues. And it's rare that emergencies happen, but we are going through a pretty crazy um, emergency with one of our investors' properties where they need the septic line or the sewer line replaced, like the, the, the plumbing that goes from the house to the street. Right. So that's been like a few days and it's a pretty big hassle. And of course the tenant's upset and I'm in the I middle. can send my plumber down there. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> but besides that, we usually don't have many issues pop up, but yeah, we'll just like call or text our handyman or um, whichever company is needed for that issue. And then right. get pictures or we stop by the property to see if the work was done and then pay them. So it's not too bad unless, you know, a hassle like this septic or sewer right. line is happening. Then it's, then it's a pain. <laughs> right. So, all right. I know you still work full time. So like say like a regular Tuesday, what does your day look like far as with the real estate? Cause I read your blog today too on bigger pockets, right? You blog. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Cause um, people depend on the, I'm a realtor too. So people depend on the realtor. Like, you no, know, you gotta go like my most houses I sell, the people call me and be like, hey, I've seen this such such house. I like to take a look at it. Because mm -hmm. when, when I set people up on a drip, basically, yeah, some houses are going to come, but it may be a house that the agent didn't put the right, um, you know, criteria oh. yeah, in, mm -hmm. so it don't pop up. You don't get it. So I try to, right. I like how you said that you, you still need to learn how to look on realtor for yourself and stuff. Right, right, definitely. Um, on a regular day, um, I'm usually a lot of meetings at my day job um but if i do i do coordinate a lot of different things so we on top of like listing properties for rent and property management we also do um project management on rehabs and my right. husband mostly handles that but sometimes i'm like in the middle of some of the communication or helping 
uh, pick like paint colors or finishes. Um, so every day is a little different, like depending if there's an issue, I'm like trying to text my handyman or my contractor and getting that stuff done and texting the tenant back or calling the tenant back. And then I usually have at least one call every few days with a new investor that's wanting to invest in Jacksonville. Um, so I try to schedule those like in the afternoon after my work meetings are done and make sure that I can, you know, talk to them and set them up on a list and kind of tell them a little bit about Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, it, it just varies. All right. So, all right. For your leases, do you, what type of lease do you guys do? Like first, last security or just first and last month rent? We do first months and security. Also oh, just two? Yes. Okay. Yeah, which is pretty common here in Jacksonville. Right. I mean, as a realtor, when I help people find properties, they always, it seems like the, I guess the maybe anything $1,500 or higher, they normally want like first, last security. And I'm like, if somebody can afford to pay that much, they almost can afford to buy a house. You yeah, know? right, right. Yeah, the tenants um, are usually like working class or lower income. Um, so it'd be hard for them to afford like three full, you know, Months. three full payments. Yeah. So, so we definitely do um, require the security deal. Security. So what would you say your average purchase price is at? Um, probably like a hundred. A hundred thousand. Okay. Or maybe maybe a little less actually, because our first house was ninety, the second one was fifty, then the third one was one twenty three, and then ninety five. So, yeah, probably in the nineties would be oh. average. All right. So all right, after all the real estate, like, what's your biggest like? You know, like people say, what's your why? Like, why are you investing in real estate? What is uh, your why? Yeah, definitely to have. You know, the dream is to have enough cash flow to live off of and, and do, you know, be able to travel and, and, you know, not be stuck in like a nine to five or nine to six to seven. All right. So what is something that you like you spend money on it and it's cost a lot, but you can't live without like, like maybe like me, what would I use? Uh, what do I, I spend money on hotels. I like staying nice hotels, but something you spend money on that, you know, it costs a lot, but it's, you feel like it's worth it. Um, Either to help like business or just luxury. Um, 
tough question. <laughs> I know that was out of nowhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, is anything? It depends. Like when, like when we were in New York, we would go once a month to like a really nice restaurant, and right. it's like a really cool to have like this unique experience. Like one time we went to this one restaurant that you have to be you have to know somebody that went to it in order to be in like have to give their name and their phone number in order to make a reservation um and there's there's no sign on the door like it's just like really cool experiences so i mean obviously we're not doing that now but um it's just like something that came to mind and it was no that experiences what what can i ask what was like the total bill Sound like it was a thousand dollars. I don't know. No, no, it's like uh, you're like two hundred or something. I mean, which is pricey for a restaurant. Yeah. But no, not thousands. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. All right. What is something that you can recommend to other people to help them buy that first deal? A lot of people, like even it took me a while to buy my first deal, but like, what are some tips you can help to people to go ahead and take that leap? Yeah. Um. I yeah. Mine took a while too, like a year and a half reading and learning and saving up money. Um, so I would say once they feel like they read enough, like they don't have they don't have to build their entire team in order to buy their first property and start putting in offers because I always tell people putting in offers is free and you can you always have that you know inspection contingency where you can back out in the first 10 days. Uh, so you know if they put in offers and they feel more comfortable and then they're more likely to go through with a deal versus like just analyzing and not moving forward on something. Yeah, I remember my first deal. I did an auction and I won. And yeah, I literally like the lady was like, I bid it. I think like fifty fifty two thousand. And the lady was like, going once, going twice, sold. I'm like. Come on now, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't really think I was gonna win it, you know. It was my first right. time buying a property. I'm like, no, 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 let the guy do it, win it. Yeah. But I ended up. But experience for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I spent fifty-two thousand dollars in five minutes. But what I what I mean by that is the deal didn't even go through because it had an open permit. So mm-hmm. like a lot of people be so stressed out about putting an offer in. Mm-hmm. And majority of the time, most deals. It's, it's like you trying to keep it together. Most of the time, it's falling apart. Right. In my case, it feels like. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Yeah, so, so I don't stress out about it now. It's like, it's so many reasons why it could fall apart. Yeah, sometimes we put in like three offers in one day and none of them go through. <laughs> right. So it's No just, big deal. Yeah. All right. So what's like your uh, main goal right now as far as like your focus on as far as the business? Uh, we were looking to do a flip, but since there's such low inventory right now and everybody's like chasing the same properties, either like through wholesalers or, or on the MLS, um, we feel like we need to find our own deals in order to do a flip. So we're going to look into like contacting off market, you know, contacting sellers directly, kind of like be our own wholesalers. Um, and then my husband's also working on doing some sort of syndication deal with multiple partners um so he's just starting to put that together um so we're just trying to think of like if we can get something to flip right now through the mls or through a wholesaler like what can we do that's different that other people a lot of other people aren't doing um that can continue to move us forward in our business Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm i'm right now in the process of doing like this like my first major flip whereas like you got to do kitchen flooring painting all that 
And it's kind of exciting because I know I get to sell it this time instead of, you know, you get first, last of security or whatever, but right. it's nothing like putting up a sale sign in front and actually yeah, make some real money. Sure. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I know. And uh, what I was going to say, the hardest part about that, I think, is just finding people to do the work. Other mm -hmm. than that, I mean, you already know your numbers doing the flip. So, the, yeah, the hardest part is keeping somebody to come back the next day. The right. Next day. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, getting it done as quickly as possible so that you can list it quick. And, you know, if you're doing a flip right now, you want to make sure you list it like quick before, you know, election season comes or yeah. Thanksgiving, you know. So that's, yeah, that's I, hard. It's like the timeline is, is the hard part, too. Today I had um, four, no, five. Oh, that's not even social distance. But I had like five people in there working, <laughs> trying to, you know, speed up the process because one guy working on the floor, the wall. It's like, man, I need, I need to get this going. Right. So I, like today, it was like, boom, a lot of stuff got done. Exactly. But, yeah. All right. So, all right. Yes, Mango. So, five years from now, where do you see your business? Where, like, how many units you think you want to have? Do you still want to be working in five years? Good job. job. Um, in five years, I would hope to have at least like 30, 40 units, I would hope. And then doing like a, a big goal of ours is, is having that, those syndication deals I was talking about. Um, so we would start with like uh, a syndication deal of like maybe five properties and then work our way up to the main, main goal is like 200 properties in one syndication deal. Um, I don't know if that'll be in five years, but that's, you know, a big goal of ours. And then also um, growing the property management business significantly. So hopefully we would have like maybe 200 units under management um, in five years. Yeah. So, so you will. <laughs> yeah. But the thing about it, you already, like you, you were saying it, I could see you, you visualize it almost. So it's probably going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. We, we, something about us, like we put up goals and then we also always plan towards them. Um, so even things like when we planned to move from Miami to go to New York, there was like many steps and years in between, but like little by little we got there and then we actually moved and then planning to move um, to Jacksonville to do this business. Like it was like a two year plan and it's like little by little. And then eventually the day gets there and our plan is in place. So it's not just like, oh, I want to have this in five years and it's just mad. It's just not magically going to happen. So we usually plan towards that, and then it's like, can you know, put the the steps in place, the plan in place, and then eventually meet the goal, or right. change along the way. You know, like our goal was to flip something now, but you know, it's like being yeah. a dead horse. We keep going after the same properties as everybody else, and it's just not happening. Yeah, um, the f the flip I found it was off market, so I can say, like. As I came from the post office, so one of my things was like, I always found like I always recognize landlord. For some reason, I've been in the neighborhood, and you can recognize a landlord. Like I just can, I'm like really? that's a landlord. <laughs> yeah, I can just tell like they just got a they like maybe a work truck, they doing mm -hmm. some silly stuff. But um, I try to meet people who own properties, and then like build a relationship with them because that's how I mostly I get most of my deals instead awesome. of like MLS. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. So, all right. These are the last four questions, like rapid questions, just off the top. Okay. If you could spend a day with a mentor, like somebody you admire, who would it be? Uh, and pick that brain. Who brain would you pick? <laughs> well, I always um, 
one of my favorite real estate books was Long Distance Real Estate Investing by David Green. So it'd be yeah. pretty cool to meet him in person. And uh, well, we bought our first property out of state without seeing it. And then right after that, I mean, we bought all of them that way, but the first one was like the biggest deal, right? right. Um, and right after that, I, I bought that book and read it. And then I was like, oh, okay, this guy does this all the time from California. So, you know, we're not so crazy. So yeah, that'd be pretty cool to do that. Yeah. Mr. David Green, maybe I'll tell him next yeah. week on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even read that book yet, though, because I feel, I don't know, for some, oh, yeah, it's a good book? Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, yeah, I need, because, well, I do got a property out of state, but I feel like um, I'm more hands-on, I think, like, for, as far as seeing the property. Like, me investing, like, maybe in, like, I think it's um, Memphis, Memphis, a lot of people invest in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've never even been to Memphis, so it's like hard to picture myself like listening to somebody taking all their advice. Like you really, um, I think you invested in a person that's telling you all the information at that point. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. All right. Second question. Uh, best advice you could give to yourself when you was 25 years old? So like somebody who listening and they like at the beginning. 25 years old I would have said invest in real estate <laughs> you would have started in <laughs> I started when I was well I'm 32 now so I was um like 29 right. when I started so if I would have started at 25 I would have been way ahead of the game <laughs> but all right at 25 most people don't have the finances set up so what would you do about the finances okay you 25 years old you mm -hmm. most 25 year olds probably got their first real like career job right how, how would you go about finance yeah. so i would say at least um getting instead of renting so long so like we rented uh i moved out when i was about to turn 21 and we rented all the way up to now so 11 years um so if i were to go back we were moving to gainesville around that age when i was 25 um to go to college so we had enough savings where we could have bought a place in gainesville and then we when we moved from gainesville we could have kept it as a rental um, right. And it wouldn't have cost much. I mean, um, townhomes like where we lived, that place cost like seventy thousand. So a down payment there with an FHA loan wouldn't have been, you know, that much. We wouldn't have been. We would have been able to afford it. Right. Uh, just like it didn't cost our money to do that. Since we were thinking like we're not going to be there permanently, why buy there? So we just didn't think of that real estate renting things like that. So. You know, if they don't have the money for an investment property, then they can buy a home and it doesn't have to be a forever home. It's like a starter home. And then eventually they can rent it out and get something else for themselves. Yeah, that's it's like when you buy a home, it's so many exit options, you mm -hmm. know, because you get rid of it. Like my first starter home, I end up selling. And that's kind of like I got my startup money, really, because it appreciated. But People always think, oh, I might move and get a new job. There's so many exit options if you buy right. at a good price. They get deal. scared and they think that it's super permanent, but it's, it's not. not. Yeah. You can or sell you it. Or <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, you already said this. All right. Besides David Green book, uh, Long Distance Real Estate, any other books that you, um, that like, uh, affected you, that helped you? I really liked, um, and I'm on a theme here, but uh, Brandon Turner's rental rental property book. Um, oh, no money down. No, managing, no, it's a book on managing rental properties. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a, the yellow one. 
Um, but that one I read again, right after I bought the first, we bought our first property and it taught me a lot about like setting systems in place to rent our, our own, um, to, to manage our own rental and from anywhere that we were. So right. we had no idea how to manage a property before reading that book. So it was like, I read it cover to cover right away after, after buying that first property. Um, yeah, that's the one. That's another one I would say. Okay. All right. This is just a random question before the last one. If you won the lottery for $10 million, would you, what would you do? Would you still invest in real estate or would you just <laughs> like disappear? Um, I probably would because a lot of people that win the lottery end up going broke. So <laughs> I would want to make sure I go broke. <laughs> right. So yes, I still would invest in real estate. All right. I figure that. Cause I mean, <laughs> Because my brother, he always say, like, why you buy, like, I like real estate. And he say, why? Well, once you get enough, will you, like, just go live your life? And I'm like, I think it's a hobby for me. Right. You know what I mean? I like, like, mm -hmm. the finding deals. I don't know. I just enjoy that part. Maybe yeah, I'm weird. And, and I enjoy also, like, building a business and, and working on our own thing. So it's not, like, when you're working on your own thing and something that you really love doing, then you don't feel like, uh, it's like, you know, it's not work, so. I don't think we would ever retire and lay right. by the beach and do nothing. <laughs> Out of the entire real estate business, what part do you feel like, I don't know if I asked you this before, um, do you feel like like that's your part of the business you do best, like, out of everybody? Like, the managing, the finding deals? Yeah, I would say the managing part. I would say the property management and then building relationships with other investors. Okay. And when you talked about, you talked about helping other investors, like in Jacksonville, so like you try to help them buy and then manage it for them, that type of thing? Yes. So most of the people we help are, happen to be in California and New York City. They're both the more expensive places right. uh, in the country. And then we have a lot of investors from Miami too. So they all want to invest somewhere um, like that's more cost effective, higher uh, price to rent ratios or rent to sales ratios and they pick Jacksonville. So then I meet them by networking and then we help them find a property. We place their tenants and we um, manage to continue managing the property for them. And then there are some of them, I think I mentioned that we manage the rehab for them too. So we do like the project management. So we're doing one, we're doing two right now, one for an investor in New York and one for an investor from uh, Virginia. Wow. And then we have a few others that are looking to do like flips or burrs. So then, as soon as they find a deal, then we would manage those as well. So it's kind of like a whole process. Like if somebody's wanting to get started in Jacksonville and they don't, they don't know, like, like they don't have their whole team. Like we kind of try to act like that entire team where they don't have to go and find an agent, find a property manager, find a contractor. Like we have all of the relationships we've built already in place that can help them uh, with their first or second or third properties. All right. Okay. It sounds like you guys could do like turnkey rentals because like I sold a property to a guy who in California. I bought it at a, a good price, but I guess the price for him investing from California is still was good at the price I sold it to him. So basically when he bought it, the tenant was ready to move in and he just took over, you know? Right. Yeah. That's something else we've thought about is doing like turnkey, but yeah, um, like, you know, like you said, in a, in a good way, because a lot of people frown upon turnkey providers. But if you do it the right way, then you could get a lot of business. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I think it worked if the person is in a state where they can't invest in it. So if I was living in California and you did all the work and fixed it up and I can get a better return than out here, right. I would buy shoes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right, last question. Uh your version of the new American dream, my version of the new American dream was, you know, you work the same job for 30 years and then you retire and maybe you travel or you die. What is your version of the new American dream for your life? I would say similar to yours, um, you know, building a business um, and building something that can make money while you don't have to be at work to make money. So then you can have the freedom to do other things. Like our dream would be like, we can go live in California for a month and work from there, go to New York. Like we really like New York. So we'd like to go back there for summers or like, I don't know, we can go to Japan and work from there for a few months. So like having that freedom to be wherever we want and then have the business running while we're not working or also continue to, to work on it and keep growing it. So definitely not a job um, forever until retirement. Right, like a world traveler. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be really nice. I don't know if you heard the podcast on Bigger Pockets. It was like um, people on there, they travel and then they would stay in people's properties, I think, while they travel and like watch their pets. Have you heard that one? No, no, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, because yeah, they living for free. So you go to California and people away. So you watch their home, yeah, watch their yeah. pets. Yeah, but you stay there for free. You know, you get to travel the world. I, I thought that was kind of, <laughs> I know, right? But yeah. I have two cats, so I would have to bring them with me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So let the people know where they can find you at if they want to reach out. Sure. Uh, you can reach out at um, my email is info at thirdstoneproperties.com or Instagram at investor EMC. Investor at EMC, right? At investor EMC. Yeah, investor. Okay. All right. Thank you for coming on the show and I'll be talking with you later. Yeah. Thanks so much. Best of luck on the flip. All right.